Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casella, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, both of us have audio issues week, but we're working through it. Uh, happy... Uh, the Mets seem to want to collapse week. It's not that happy, unless you're not a Mets fan. Um, TBT, happy, officially happy, absolutely yeah, back this happy, week. <laughs> happy TBT week. Happy uh, happy elimination Doug Gottlieb week. That's so funny. I was very happy to see that. I kind of forgot he had a team, but now I'm very happy. Well, I, I think his team forgot he had a team. Yeah. It's, how poorly that went. Um, for those who weren't paying attention, Doug Gottlieb's uh, TBT team got absolutely... Uh, Laughed off the floor, um, so 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 much for that uh, that, that lengthy stay for him. Was so, he actually coaching, or was he just, like sponsoring? Um, I thought he was coaching. I hope he was as involved as possible. <laughs> it's I'm really my sure is. I know he interviewed for the Oklahoma State job. Yeah, um, Team Twenty Three. Is this it? Yeah, he's the head coach, so I guess he was there. It was an Oklahoma State alumni team. And uh, good job, good they, yeah, great, good stuff, everyone. Who did they lose to? Lost to uh, Eberline Drive. Sure, it was uh, they've got, I don't know what their, I don't know what their story is. <laughs> they uh, are they a Houston team? What's their, they don't really, they don't provide a ton of data. Um, in terms of like what they do, oh no, that's not it. Trying to figure it out. Looks like are they just all players from wherever? Anyway, this is taking too long. Um, don't really know what their story is. Would love to find out. Um, in any case, 
they sent Doug Gottlieb home. These things happen. Um, Syracuse plays um, later in the week. Hopefully, we are not dealing with um, our own uh, Schadenfreude later this uh, this week when Syracuse starts their own uh, efforts. And really, um, you know, after this offseason's additions have kind of become like one of the I feel like we're always one of the favorites, but I feel like this year we actually might have like a reason to be. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. I think we got some nice uh, kind of uh, we have the cavalry like early here um, in uh, some of the uh, overseas elite players who obviously know exactly what you need to do to win this tournament. They're very good at winning this tournament. Um, they had a long run of what, like three or four in a row um, before last year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a good group. I think they fill in the spots, uh, that we were kind of lacking in terms of the guard positions. Um, you know, this thing is, is so kind of, it's, it's very difficult to win this tournament. So obviously anything can happen and, and hopefully, but it does seem like we're getting more well-prepared this year than we were last year. Obviously was hat was being played like right in the, the heart of, of COVID, um, I think preparations were kind of like hard to to really figure out because it was you know it was early summer people were still we're still figuring out how COVID even worked. Um, obviously, like it's far from gone. We all know this, uh, especially with the Delta variant. But um, we all kind of know the general thing, like the general guidelines. Hopefully, a fair amount of our players are vaccinated. Um, it's just I think a little more reasonable to like figure out how to get this tournament in and, and prepare for it. So. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I'm getting getting ready for, for Saturday's game. Uh, pretty pumped to, to have the event back because it's a pretty dead time on the sports calendar, which is why this always uh, this always goes really well. And then this and then the Olympics uh, should make for a, a fun couple of weeks uh, of midsummer non-baseball sports, which is always welcome. Yeah, Syracuse is going to be contending directly with the Olympics, um, including some Syracuse players playing in the Olympics. But... It should work out. I'm looking forward to tuning in to some Syracuse um, slash Bayheim's Army action. I'm sure a lot of others are as well. As you know, I mentioned before, uh, we still have our bracket challenge. Uh, folks want to win some uh, some Bayheim's Army swag, uh, some cryptocurrency potentially. Um, a lot of options there um, for folks, and and because all of us have like an equal amount of expertise on these other teams. Uh, should really mean make for a wide open field. Uh, I, I know the level of expertise doesn't really matter in even a regular uh, March Madness bracket. So here, um, e- even less so. So so guess away, and and maybe you can win some things. Um, and you can check out more details on that um, on the website for those who uh, who haven't done so yet. Yeah, it's a very cool thing they're doing this year. Uh, should hopefully. Uh, bring up a little more, uh, even more uh, attention to the the tournament and get some more fan interest. Uh, it seems to draw every year, so excited for that for sure. And the Mets is a back to back home run, so that's great. Right. They, uh, they they certainly made things interesting over the weekend, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'd rather not. I'd rather not talk about it, but that's fair. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. Um, some other Syracuse things happening this week, um, or last week, um, in the case of this piece of news. Um, Syracuse football will face Tennessee in the 2025 Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Um, I think a lot of people are pretty excited about this. I think that the ticket cost is probably going to be pretty detrimental uh, <laughs> for some because I feel like Tennessee fans are very much going to um, do what they can to to fill the place and, and travel down or just go with their Atlanta residents. Um, so I, I think people are excited because of 
um, a like mild rivalry uh, that existed between these teams in, in the, the late 90s um, and early 2000s. I think folks are just excited to play in a kickoff game and get some attention. I think this is good from a like, you know, get paid standpoint. I don't think it's the best in terms of why are we scheduling Tennessee and Notre Dame, neither of which at home in the same year uh, kind of standpoint. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the, the price to do the, uh, the sticker price is probably going to be fairly high because it's, you know, one of these big Atlanta kickoff games. Uh, I would bet the secondary market doesn't end up being that crazy. So if you want to try to play that, um, obviously it helps if you buy through Syracuse for sure. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I don't know how many people will realistically send down there. Maybe a fair amount if we're, if we look decent going into the season. Obviously, we saw what happened with the bowl game in Florida a few years ago. Like if the team has some hype behind it, like our guys, our, our fans will show up. Um, it's not the hardest. Atlanta's pretty easy to get to. Um, Tennessee's a name opponent. Um, I actually kind of like if we're if we're forced to play the an SEC team to open the season in 2025. I think Tennessee's a pretty decent option um, just because of the way Tennessee football has worked in uh, recent history. There's a very fair chance uh, we will either be in uh, the final year of Josh Heupel or we'll be in the first year of whoever takes over for Josh Heupel after he's fired inevitably. Um, so like, I actually think the timing's not, not the worst. Uh, there's a decent chance we'll be, we'll be in like the 17th straight, uh, attempted rebuild of the Tennessee football program, right? When we, <laughs> right when we face them. So, um, yeah, it should be fun. I'm, I'm hopefully I'll be able to get down there because, uh, I have not been to that stadium yet. I've been to, uh, a lot of things in Atlanta, but the, the new stadium I have not been to. So it's cool. I mean, it'll be good exposure. It's probably a big payday for us. I know we, we had like all those talks about like the USC and the Penn state and whatnot games at MetLife when Doc Gross was still around and how he made sure to sell, but not totally give us all the details on like why they were so important financially. And these are like, these are like the big deal, like ESPN, uh, national televised games. Um, we saw Duke get fed to Alabama a couple years ago. So it's not that we're not getting fed to Alabama. So that's good. Uh, we'll maybe have a chance to win this one, but it, you know, who knows what these two teams will play like in 2025. But um, if you like, just given the information we have, I think this is a pretty decent option. Yeah. I mean, relatively speaking, like if we're going to end up in um, one of these games, I, I think Tennessee is one of the more ideal teams to face. This game usually pairs an ACC and an SEC school. So, you know, only so many, uh, you know, quote unquote, like lesser options. And really like it's debatable whether um, organizers would want like a Syracuse, Missouri or a Syracuse Vanderbilt game at at all. So uh, Tennessee is probably one of your better um, draws there. Honestly, like I think that the one qualm for me is just like, I would have liked it in 2024 um, when Tennessee could have potentially added added a game. And obviously Syracuse had um, a power five um, opening um, left so now in 2025 and 2023 so far, we have uh, two Power 5 games. 2023 features, um, oh, sorry, 2022. So um, Notre Dame and Purdue um, are both home games in 2022. And then in 20, well, at least for now, let's see what happens in the Notre Dame game. I don't think it's going to be moved, but, you know, shenanigans can't happen. Um, and then for the 2025 season, um, we have at Notre Dame and then against Tennessee, um, in Atlanta. So not the like easiest slate uh, by any means, but having UConn um, at least in that 2025 season isn't too bad. I, I think in general, if more teams are going toward a like two power five setup, then we might have to follow along. Um, you'll notice if you've been looking at the non-conference slate that uh, 
Now, all but two spots are filled from 2021 through 2026. Uh, one of those 2024 spots would be an FCS school. So there's really only about one more FBS team to add um, through 2026, which is good progress, even if we don't really have much filled out after that. Yeah, what a what a difference uh, a couple like months makes. But um, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it would have been more ideal if it was like one of the other years. But also at the same time, like there's a chance that it, it's an exact science in terms of like when you catch Tennessee. Um, the four year thing is kind of like just a general guideline for like when coaches come and go. Um, but obviously, if he's if if Heibel's good, he's probably gonna be good by 2024 or 2025. If he's bad, well, probably bad both years. So. Um, I guess it, it would have worked out either way. But like you said, I think we're going to start to see, especially with um, the expanding playoff, like you're going to start to see uh, more teams potentially go towards uh, a more full schedule, especially like the second tier teams who are looking to really goose things up and, and put their like best foot forward because you could have like a three loss team make the playoff and having a three loss uh, schedule with like two power fives on it. Let's uh, in the non-conference um, could be like the difference uh, when it comes to um, like what what's decided for you know a lot of like the the teams that are just below like the Alabama Clemson tier, so um, you could also like make the argument that maybe it's expanding so much that teams uh, play pretty conservative and and just try to go for like the zero one losses. But um, I could see it going either way, just because like with twelve teams, I think it's going to be a much bigger group of teams that are like up for debate. Um, so the state of the schedule could end up mattering a lot more. So. That, that'll probably present more opportunities uh, for us to an interesting series. At the same time, um, maybe it also opens up like the ability for us to schedule down a little bit so we can get ourselves uh, some footing as we, you know, we talk about every couple months here um, with how we've just kind of scheduled ourselves out of like rebuilds. Um, maybe that'll actually let us uh, do that a little more effectively since I don't think any of us are expecting to be in playoff contention in the next couple of years anyway. No. Although at the same time, we, we, we didn't expect it in 2018 and it almost worked out. Yeah, I mean, 2018, we wouldn't have made the 12-team field as currently constituted, but like... We weren't it's too impossible. far away from making it. Yeah, no, we would have been like a couple spots out. So, I mean, like Colorado would have made a 12-team field if like all the voting went the same way. So yeah. it's it's not that crazy. And, which and is exciting. would have beaten Clemson like they were supposed to in that game. Oh, they, have, they, would, have, they would have been closer to the... I mean, they would have been like in the discussions for the 14, which is crazy. Right. Yeah, um, so that would have been fun. Uh, but yeah, you never know. Um, so realistically, I, I think that you know teams are kind of hedging in one way or the other. Uh, I, I think teams, too, are starting to realize, um, or at least, well, I don't say they're starting to realize. I think they're starting to over-index maybe a little bit on quality of opponent. Because ultimately, if you lose, it doesn't matter what the quality of the opponent is, that people aren't going to show up. Um, I, I think realistically, you need to do the work to win the games first, establish yourself as a better program. And then from there, uh, I, I think you can schedule up and then people are there because they expect to see you win or compete. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a soapbox for another day. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know exactly how these things are going to work out. It's a very inexact science based on like, just like the, the way that the way that the playoff works for four teams is very well may not just like pour it over to how it works for 12 teams. So um you know, these are discussions for a couple of years down the road. It sounds like 2023 will probably be the first time uh, we actually have them. Um, but, you know, 
it's 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 nice to actually be able to like dream a little bit because like uh, Syracuse making the fourteen would have been so difficult. Making yeah. the twelve, like again, it, we we would have been in range uh, a couple just a couple years ago, and like while that was a kind of a that was kind of a, a dream season for us based on how things have been the last basically two decades, it wasn't like so crazy that you know nothing. It's not like everything went right. Like we got blown up by Notre Dame. Um, we we just you know we could have beaten Clemson and didn't. So. Um, it, it wasn't like such a like over the moon season that we can't dream of like even being a little bit better. Um, but obviously we're, we're far from that right now. We need to, to get our, get our stuff together here uh, to actually be competitive and, and make some like mid tier bowls again. Uh, hopefully this fall we'll see. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Agreed. Uh, we'll get into Syracuse football a little bit more in a sec. But first, I did want to talk a little bit about halftime. Um, Dan, what have you been drinking? Uh, so I was down in Jersey this weekend. Uh, I made a stop at uh, uh, Heavy Reel down at Seaside, which has been kind of become one of my kind of go-to, especially when I'm down there, which is a fair amount. Um, got to try, uh, right before it kicked, luckily, I got to try their, uh, their Love Pineapple Dole Whip. Uh, they they kind of specialize. I've talked about them a lot before. They specialize in sour smoothies and also IPAs. Um, the pineapple Dole Whip was uh, one of the sour the smoothie sours, which was delicious. Really nice, like creamy uh, to to creaminess to balance the the tartness of the pineapple. Um, I also tried their their mango pineapple, which I didn't like quite as much. I thought it, it the the two flavors didn't work as well in conjunction. It was a little more sour. It's still very drinkable. Uh, and then I also tried their uh, ukiyo. Uh, which was a Japanese rice lager with like some some lemongrass flavors. Uh, that was really interesting. Um, really like like a really uh, a nice amount of sweetness to it. Um, very drinkable. Had some like really herbal notes. Uh, so that was actually that might have been the most unique one, uh, even with like the the smoothie beers. So um, nice trip to see those guys. They they open up a new a new brewery. If you're down the shore in the that first uh, barrier island, um, definitely give them a, a, a shout. They're uh, they're pretty new, but they do really really good work with the IPAs and then also the the like crazy flavored smoothie sour beers. Very nice. Um, I had a pretty busy weekend in Chicago. Uh, seen a buddy of mine. Got to go out to a bunch of new places. Uh, so I'll try to keep this list as brief as possible, but no promises. <laughs> um, I know we have a abbreviated show today, so only so much time. Um, I had from a half acre, had their fully saturated double daisy cutter, uh, really good uh, double IPA from Old Irving. I had a Sentinel, an IPA from them, uh, at Brewer's Kitchen, well, sorry, at Pilot Project. I had um, their uh, Copitas, it was a Mezcal Goza, which was super good, um, really, really enjoyable. Uh, at Metropolitan Brewing, I had Heliostat, it's a Zwickle beer. Uh, I had really good beers at uh, Maplewood. At a Charlatan, it was a hazy pale ale, and then also had a cup of coconut. It was a non-barrel-aged um, double pastry stout. It was a coconut and coffee. That was extremely, extremely good. Um, also had lounge lager from them. Uh, had from Phase 3, had Pixel Density. Um, Hot Butcher for the World, one of the better ones I had all weekend, was uh, their Mirrorball 3000. It was a triple IPA um, that I was drinking while watching uh, the misery that was Space Jam 2. 
Um, definitely would not recommend that movie to anyone. Um, had some zombie dust and three Floyds uh, from Brickstone. I had their um, American Pale Ale. I went to Beguile Brewing, had their uh, Mosaic Sunny Afternoon. Um, over at Dovetail, I had their Hell's Lager. I had some Gumball Head from Three Floyds. Uh, when I was at the White Sox game, I had some Oberon Ale from Bell's. First Oberon I'd had in a while. Um, also had No Tomorrow from Beguile. Had Mars, their uh, Radiant Path of Ecstasy. Art History's um, Art History Major uh, New England IPA. Uh, Hot Butcher had their Unwind Your Mind. It was another uh, good one from them. It was a double uh, hazy IPA. And then from Hopewell, I had their Visa uh, V uh, Hazy IPA. So quite a bit going on. Definitely enjoyed myself. Uh, no regrets. So we, uh, we have about 10 minutes left, Dan. Um, so did want to talk a little bit about Syracuse football. Um, I know I, uh, I was reading some Phil Steele over the weekend. Not because I'm a big like Phil Steele uh, head, more just because I, I happened to get it um, as the like magazine I went with this year. Um, and, and despite some, some various maybe factual errors, some random nuggets that didn't really apply to anything, um, there was some interesting stuff in there and just in terms of Syracuse's ability to improve um, and just their likelihood to improve by default. I know they were on like a bunch of Phil's lists of like most likely um, to improve, most likely to improve, especially on the offensive end um, lists. Um, it seemed like he had the linebackers um, on his radar. Just in general, it, it painted it painted a rough picture and I think he had a weird kind of like unfair view of Babers coming back. Um, but at the same time, I also felt that um, it did paint some pictures for optimism. Uh, the fact that the offensive line is in better shape. Like, we don't have to dive into the whole season preview, obviously, because we have plenty of time for that uh, for the rest of the summer. But uh, combined with, like, Dino Baber's comments on Monday that uh, seemed to indicate that, like, you know, DeVito has the inside uh, track, which we already figured. Um, I I'm curious if you feel like there are some, some big reasons for optimism and if there are some areas where, uh, you're still very, very concerned uh, going into camp, which is, I feel like, starting kind of late this year um, on August 6th. It is starting a little late. I don't know if that's, like, a COVID thing. Like, everything that changes, I just kind of assume it's a COVID thing. Um, I think, like, it's just, obviously, like, to beat, you know, beat it over the head, but the offensive line just remains, like, the big question mark. Obviously, we've changed coaches there. We have uh, a fair amount of experience coming back, hopefully, that experience turns into like good experience and not just like the same guys who weren't good last year are still not good, which is always a concern. Um, I will say I haven't read Phil Steele yet. I should get a copy just to have, um, but I was reading David Hale's like ever expanding tweet thread about like the ACC position rankings, which he's done. And um, a, I thought it was kind of interesting. He had the our defensive bats at the bottom, which I thought was a little unfair. And obviously I'm a huge fan of Hale. I think he does a great as a job with the ACC overall as anybody. Um, I thought I, I'm way higher on the defensive bats we have coming back, even with like the big losses we have there. But then he had our, our linebackers and our defensive line both ranked around like sixth or seventh in the conference, if I remember correctly. Um, which I think if, if you have both of those, if, if we have mid-tier defensive line and linebacker play, and we have... Uh, you know, a defensive backfield, which I think should be around that same that same group, like somewhere in the middle of the pack for the ACC, assuming like the guys who looked pretty good as young players take a step forward next year. Then I think like your defense, which was already pretty good last year, could maybe even be a little bit better overall. Um, because obviously we, even with like those star players we had last year, Sisto was out for so long. Um, we had some injury issues elsewhere. 
Um, so if you if you have a defense that's like firmly in the middle of the pack in the ACC, and you have an offensive line that's even if it's still bottom third, just like it's bottom third and not bottom one, uh, you I think there's a lot of a, a lot of hope for for change. And then obviously quarterbacks the most important position, but um, I think it's at least a fair chance that we get average quarterback play between either out of Devito or Schrader. Um, I know if Steele I saw had Schrader slotted in which is interesting. I don't know if he got like a tip off or if he's just guessing. I think it's probably um, the latter. Um, yeah. I, I think it's the latter. Yeah. Um, I know he talks to a lot of coaches for his, for his preview. I don't imagine Babers publicly said that DeVito was probably going to start and then turn around and told Phil Steele that he wasn't, uh, that'd be a weird move. Um, but I mean, I think like, at least we have options at the position now this year. Um, running backs. I think, um, you know, we've talked about a lot. I think it's a real strength wide receiver. I think the group's pretty good. So it really falls – it's – the big questions are, were the defensive backs for real? Um, obviously, defensive line's a little bit of a question, but I think there's talent there. Um, does one of the quarterbacks play, stay healthy, and play well? And then offensive line is the big question, as we talk about what seems like every week. But, um, yeah, overall, I think, I think there's definitely a pathway to improvement. Like, it's – like, last year, I don't think like, – we were bad. I don't think we were 1-10 in 10 bad. I think there were a lot of reasons why, why things turned the way they did, but I think it was, like, a kind of like a – everything was worst case scenario. Um, so hopefully we can get back and have enough of a bounce back that we make a bowl. But like, I, I think at, at the very least, like we should at least return to a, uh, you know, a 2019 more like reasonable level of bad, which isn't great. And I wonder if we go five and seven, I wonder what Babers, what happens with Babers, but at least then you're not in like, you're not uh, in like a crazy place. Yeah. I think realistically five and seven, I think it depends on how you get there. Um, and I think that's yes. something, you know, we, we, yeah, we definitely talked about that before, like after last year, like five and seven is going to be tough to stomach. And, but at the same time, like, this is not the easiest schedule. Um, there's really only like, there's really only one sure win on there. And that's Albany. I, I think Ohio is a very likely win. And then from there, um, you know, I, I think Rutgers, I like our chances, but I don't love them. Um, I, I think that the, the difference there is, is 5% one way, one way or the other, like in terms of like win probability, it's, I think I pegged it at 55% coming into the, like when I started the opponent previews and I, I'd put it around there, maybe at 50, um, but it's somewhere in that general range. And, and I think having a home game, you know, is, is what really makes a difference um, in that one for Syracuse. But other than that, like, you know, it's going to be, can we hang with Liberty? Um with Malik Willis being like getting all the hype in the world now and being like a, a quarterback on people's radars, the NFL draft. Um, and, and, and the story of every year. And, and I mentioned this in the comments last week, like, you know, can they win two of three against Wake Forest, Pitt and BC? And, and that's really what the season comes down to every year um, or, or should for the most part. Um, I mean, I'd love it if that wasn't the case and it wasn't the case in 2018, I know, but, you know, if you can take two of three in there, it's very likely you're going bowling. I, I think that, you know, last year they didn't really hang with Wake, but they almost beat BC. I think you can swap in last year, you know, NC State instead of Wake, and, and the same rules kind of apply. I mean, the pit game really wasn't all that out of out of uh, range either. I think ultimately you judge Syracuse by its record first and foremost, but then in terms of like what direction they're headed, um, how they perform against, you know, Wake Forest, BC, and Pitt, and, 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 while they lost to all three of those teams last year, uh, I I can't say I was necessarily embarrassed by how they performed against any of them, if only because Wake Forest, the, 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 the wheels had already come off. Um, Pitt, the wheels hadn't come off yet, but um, they just didn't have the offense to hang. I think, 
you know, the fact that they were able to hang with BC as well as they did, all, all that to me says that this team just simply isn't as bad as they were last year. doesn't mean they're good, um, but, but, but they simply aren't as bad as what we saw on the field last year by any means. Yeah, even I don't, I don't think you brought up the UNC game even, which was like super close until we just yeah. kind of fell apart late. But um, and so, yeah, and I, I, that's I, offensive inefficiencies. Like the offense can't do anything. So, so how is the defense supposed to like bend, bend, bend for, for 60 straight minutes? Right. I do think we drew really bad luck with Liberty end up like ended up being as good as they are. And like, right. obviously there are issues beyond football with them, but like they were legitimately really good last year and they're probably going to be pretty good this year again. And we did not foresee that uh, when we scheduled them or when we shot them out a couple years ago and like, looked like we were kind of holding their offense like at arm's length, uh, like a, like a child um, with a pretty, like not even a defense that was as, even as good as last year's. So um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think like, obviously the, the one win is what it is. And like, you could do the Bill Parcells thing and say record is what it was like. You know, you are where your record says you are. But um, obviously, you said in the BC game, the NC State game was close. Like, if you look, did, like, a Pythagorean win projection, I bet we would have been closer to, like, three or four, which, again, isn't good. But it's not, like, all-world bad. And then you th- toss in the injuries. And, like, I think you can really draw up, like, a reason, a reason for hope for, like, at least a mediocre season, which for us would be a major step forward. So, you know, ho- fingers crossed, hopefully we can, we can just t- kind of dig ourselves out of our, out of a hole and just get back on some footing where we can sell the vision of the program going forward. Cause I think that's the biggest concern. Like we had all this momentum that we really slandered in 2019 and 2020, like you can chalk it up to being like the weirdest year any of us have ever lived through. And that's probably a part of it, but everyone was dealing with that. So it's, it's not like the best excuse in the world. Um, especially cause we also got like all of our games in, uh, in some like, quick uh you know uh unfortunate like turn of of events (laughs) like it would have been it would have been a lot less painful i think if we had just been like oh uh, something happened with the uh nc state game couldn't play but uh no we got all of men we were really good at covid we were not very good at football um but you know what what can you do yeah i mean realistically i think you hit the nail on the head like you can only sell the future for so long and and in 2018 looked like the future and then you you go from that to like never really being able to cash in on that season. And now you're cashing on, in on, you know, on once again, future and playing time for young guys. I mean, there's a real chance like Deuce Chestnut ends up starting uh, this coming season, which is like good. And, and, and that's a testament to Deuce being a really good player from, from all accounts. But at the same time, like, okay, like how long are we doing this before we get to, and, and, and that's where the, the, the questions about papers and the staying power are, are warranted. And really, I do think that, you know, five and seven, you're going to have to have done something interesting, like beat Clemson or or knock off Virginia Tech on the road, something like that, to 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 warrant sticking around. Um, despite again the acknowledged challenges with the schedule, I just think it's going to be really hard to to see the light at the end of the tunnel if you can't get back to a bowl game this year. Um, and 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 the path's there, even if even if it's not going to be an easy one. That's that's kind of why I like I don't get overreact and it's like it doesn't make it any better but I don't really overreact with the struggles in recruiting because like we have a lot to overcome in recruiting in general and I think we would have started to see it if we had not fallen on our face in 2019 if we had like followed up the big 10 win season with like a seven win season I think then you're able to really sell something and by kind of tripping over our chance to really build something there like obviously our recruiting classes are going to be what they are because we have distinct disadvantages in location, um, 
as well as a bunch of other stuff. Like the just the factors aren't working in our favor. We have to work a lot harder to get decent classes. Um, and you know, you have to find the diamonds in the rough and everything else. Um, but like, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to like, see, I don't think Syracuse is in a position where you make one magic higher and all of a sudden you're recruiting like the 35th ranked class. And then you can kind of go that way. You need to, you need to, to win with what you get and, and develop and then kind of move from there. Otherwise it's just, it's just not going to go in the other direction. You're not going to even like a Rutgers Rutgers has way more recruiting advantages than us by being in a good state in New Jersey uh, having Red Chiano, who knows everyone in that state, and they're all dedicated to like sending their guys to him. Um, we have a lot more to overcome them than even they do. Uh, so, so let's just, beat them for one, so that we so that it makes it harder for them in New Jersey. Beating them would be good, and we do pretty well in New Jersey. Like we compete pretty well uh, where we have historically. Now Chiano's doing a really good job now, and that makes it tough on us. That the fact that they got him back is like you know great for them. It, it, we'll see what happens on the field, but history says so they'll at least be like decent um maybe not like the big 10 is much harder than what he was in last the last time around but well their fans uh, have already told themselves that, that that they're back despite going three and six last year so yeah and, and i get it because like we've kind of been there too like we've we've done the like well we were four and eight but we were competitive four and eight like year one marone we were kind of telling ourselves similar things um and like and and it's it's a lot easier to sell like they're not really even like a a, a full rebuild when it comes to recruiting because you can go and say like oh she's already done this he did this for 10 years look look where we got you had that louisville game remember the louisville game um it's almost like he's still selling on like his last it's not like you're you're in year two of a coach it's almost like you're in year 12 and you just kind of ignore the big gap between uh 10 and 11 or whatever it was um but with syracuse like i you need to it's it's not going to work the same way you're not going to just snap your fingers and have like a bunch of recruits fall in your lap even if you make like the flashiest hire of all time like if we if something happened and we hired Link Kiffin tomorrow, like he'd probably get a couple of guys that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise, but it's still like the situation is, is what it is. You need to, you need to really build something and then get them to come. It's not going to be, uh, you're not going to be able to just like convince them otherwise. So plenty of work to be done. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's why when it comes to recruiting, like I was right there with a lot of people uh, when I was following recruiting more closely day to day and reading all the boards and everything. Now it's just like, you know, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's too tough to, to, to manufacture excitement like with a, at a school like Syracuse. You can do it at a state school where you have built-in pipelines. Syracuse has to really massage those pipelines, and it's hard to do that when you've won, when you, you're coming off one win year, you're coming off of, of six wins over two years. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I think that's something that, you know, fans need to be able to acknowledge. We need to be able to acknowledge people covering the program, but it's making them easier to stomach, I guess, <laughs> still when, when you look at this team. Yeah, for sure, it, it, it's it's it, it, it's unfortunate to admit, but like, I think the easy like it's just not worth getting super worked up over because even even if you have like the best recruiters in the world, it's just the the school is is so important, um, and we've seen that across however many like it's not just a Syracuse problem. Like we've seen so many schools have these like blips of recruiting uh, success, but unless they can start to build it from there, like it's it's really hard to maintain uh, if you're not at an Alabama or like an SEC school or a, a huge like Big Ten, even not all the Big Ten schools, like some of those are big state schools. But if, if Minnesota has a couple bad years, like they're falling up to where we are, basically. So um, and they've we've seen them have top 25 classes, too. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just kind of the way of the world. And, and that's kind of what makes being a Syracuse fan tricky and why we have to really enjoy the success when we have it. Indeed. Uh, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Unfortunately, uh, next week we'll probably have a longer episode again. But Dan, appreciate you taking the time as always. 
Yes, thank you for having me. Hopefully, we'll both have our uh, technology sorted out next week, and we'll have some TPT to the results to talk about. Hopefully, good ones. Agreed. Uh, go Bayheim's Army. Um, and everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Troy Noon's An Absolute Podcast. And great review. Subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.